This episode is sponsored by RSVP. RSVP brings together two established video playback companies into one powerhouse with over 50 years of onset knowledge. The experienced and growing team are all skilled in the latest recording software with up-to-date HD video recording equipment, HD monitors and HD wireless packages. RSVP understand that the requirements for every shoot are different. So for a tailor quote, get in touch at info at rsvp.london. Let's get started. Hola film family, I'm Isusko, your host, aka The Time Scheduler. Welcome to the Film Gods podcast, which is a chat with the best of the UK film crew who make all of those beautiful moving images you watch every day. I want to give a special thanks to Island Studios for the recording space. Thank you, Mark, Mitch, Pauline and the whole team. Wherever you're listening, hope you enjoy. Big love. So, all our film family, um, another wonderful podcast is just about to happen. I can feel it in my bones. Um, the man opposite me, I when I jumped up from running to ADing, um, was someone who gave me the chance to first and maybe learn it and probably fuck things up that I didn't know I was fucking up. So for that, I'm eternally grateful. Um, and now he's also coming and going to talk to us for an hour about what he does and who he is. So um, please tell the listeners who you are and what is it you do. Hello, um, my name is Oliver Murray and I'm a uh, director and occasionally when they let me, I'm also a writer. Nice. Yes. How long have you been writing for? Uh, I, or has it always been a passion? It's always been the thing. I mean, uh, oh God, we need a whole other podcast to get into uh, <laughs> the business of writing. But yeah. Um, uh, yeah, which we can do. We can do another one later. The business let's of writing. Roll, I like it already. Let's just roll them out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Long form scripts, or um, there's all sorts of stuff. Podcasting, even or. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think the exciting bit at the moment is it's sort of exploding week after week into yeah. all these different avenues to be creative, get projects going. Um, and that's what it's all about, isn't it, really? Getting yeah. these things made. Getting them out there, getting them made and giving something people to to consume. So I guess from a, from a writing perspective, mm. is there stuff that you're like, I love writing comedy or I love just writing comic scripts so what is it that what what is your passion in the writing uh my favorite thing to do because I love the research mm-hmm. and I, I love the research in the docs that I've made or the, in the content or it's um as you know uh, these things live or die in the prep mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's often um slightly misunderstood mm-hmm. of like what our roles are certainly what your role is the idea of kind of turning up and organising the thing, it's all you're screwed if if you turn up. You don't know what you're exactly. <laughs> um, so usually it starts with either you know some a seed of an idea, whether that's a brand's idea of what they think their story is, or an agency's idea for a, a new product, or uh, an estate wanting to celebrate um, the legacy of of an individual that they they look after. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and sometimes it's important that it's straight up non-fiction and sometimes it's the complete opposite. So I, I think that's my 
it's possibly my favourite bit because it's also, uh, it's just me and a pencil mm-hmm. and a notebook. And uh, it's the purest form of whatever the story is going to be. So uh, everything from there uh, is a... Um, it's sort of you then try and move what you wrote on paper towards actually getting up there on screen mm-hmm. in the most efficient way mm-hmm. uh, and the most um, reverential way to the original seed of an idea. Um, and I think also the... Um, recently I've been very lucky to uh, be able to tell the stories of some individuals that are really important to a lot of people, fans and family and, you know, real... Um, I've done a lot of work in the music industry and mm-hmm. um, you only get one shot at making these sort of tentpole docs yeah. on people. And um, so I think the earlier you can get in there, hopefully the the, um, the easier it is to honour those people in the right way. So it's kind of like sort of organic that, you, that as a director you would end up writing, I suppose. That's sort of... It definitely came... I came to it through directing rather than, I think, lots of people, oh, really? you know, write and yeah. then say, oh, let's stick it on screen. I was more, I think, there was a number of factors, but I suppose it's also creating your own opportunities. Mm-hmm. It's another thing. Of, um, well, I guess coming, it seems like we should just get straight into how you got in then because then that would lead us to everything else that you do. So did you... You were a uni student, a media student. Did you just mm. love film from when you were a kid and just jump into an in-house? Or what was your what's your in? What's your story? Um, we, I mean, I, I did always think that I would in some way be involved in films, mm-hmm. features of some description. I, I mean, I mean, when I was about ten, I kind of thought, <laughs> nice. but I, obviously, I had no idea what that meant. Mm-hmm. But I, I always loved it, mm. and I just always sort of used to say that to my parents. I'm going to be involved in that one way or another. Um, See, I was music, and then I, at first I wanted to be an architect. Like, absolutely, don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to be an architect. I'm going to be an architect, and I was like. Okay, cool. Well, I can I see. Like, then I'm going to be. A, I'm going to be in the music business, and like, I, I can okay, see that though. I can see that. You know. Transferable the skills. Transferable skills of the telling people what to do. Of the perfect schedule, <laughs> organising lots of disparate oh, people yeah. and things into one place. Yeah, the the, the minutia of detail. Yeah, minutia even. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. But yeah, when we. Uh, so you've always loved. You knew film was something. I guess looking at the creative on the screen yeah. was something that intrigued you. Yeah. As soon as I knew, at the age of sixteen, that. I was not going to be a rugby player, which bizarrely was hey. the sort of... I was... I mean, you look at me now and think, <laughs> what? Um, that that was cool. ultimately kind of what I was sort of on the path to doing and everyone nice. was moving really? me towards. But um, you played schools and... Yeah. Nice. And then up into, you know... England? All, England? Um, no, yeah. I moved into... I was a bit of a soft touch, so okay. I actually moved into sprinting. Nice. Um which is pretty dark That's when you're 16 and want to be out with your mates. And, and you're just doing 100 metres sprints. Over and over and over. Yeah. Dedication, though, kind of the repetitiveness, that must... 
give you some sort of breeding ground for the for the dark days of sitting in a room by yourself <laughs> for 16 hours, you know, researching I, 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 I stuff. I think I'm making up for it by just sitting down in dark rooms <laughs> instead. Um, the complete opposite. <laughs> exactly. No, but then, uh, yeah, went, went off to uh, art school okay. in Scotland. Yeah. Uh, to the Glasgow School of Art, that sadly has burnt down oh, twice. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then a, a real opportunity came when I got to go on an exchange to New York while I was there. And I got a taste of US film school, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, it's unreal. Really? Yeah. I mean, so are the What's fees. One if, up, um, I mean... Is it like all those high school movies where it's like... Honestly, know? yeah. I mean, compared to... I mean, here, I feel like uh, we do a hell of a lot with basically nothing. Mm-hmm. And then we, everyone globally, I think, all gets to the same point. You know, mm-hmm. we're all... Um, this is such a fantastic country to make films in. Mm-hmm. Best crews, great, great companies down in Soho doing all the effects and everything. But uh, I didn't go to film school because uh, it's sort of not really how this country's wired mm-hmm. I think you're yeah. sort of encouraged to go off which I think is a good idea like learn a bit more about yourself mm-hmm. uh, and about who you are yeah and the kind of stories you want to tell mm. uh, and what you can bring to it because I think as lots of very famous filmmakers have said you can actually learn the nuts and bolts of it pretty quickly mm. so bring something new to the table mm. um, having said that first day in the US where you're looking at trying to make you know short films and stuff and it turns out that you can just borrow the school's dolly and track wow. and all the cameras but the crazy thing about schools over there is you also you, you graduate with a film degree and a, uh, you, you've got to pay back a loan for about a quarter of a million dollars wow to just make a couple of films for that I mean it just yeah so Luckily, uh, I, 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 so what, how long was the exchange? Uh, six months. Have you got? So I guess that's a third of a million that you got. Yeah, well, uh, my favorite, the, the first thing that I did, the first thing I did when I got there was um, I signed a waiver for twenty-seven thousand dollars for the time that uh, I would have been there for, which wow. it, it just. I had. I took every opportunity to, mm. to learn and get yeah. just get my hands on kit. Yeah. You know what I mean, and all that stuff. But had you done much at Glasgow, hands on, or was it quite no. a theoretical? You know, read books, watch films. I think. I, I think the the best thing uh, that I managed to do was because there there was a lot of freedom mm-hmm. in Scotland, mm-hmm. in the UK. I think what we we have, uh, as I say, we have less to play with but the freedom to to work with it over there uh, as you can imagine if someone is paying a quarter of a million quid it's really structured yeah. and it's really kind of um by the time you want to be kicking on in a partic- down a particular road mm-hmm. you're, you're you're kind of tugged backwards to be working through a curriculum that is okay. set and paid for so um i think that was a real opportunity for me to be able to to play both sides mm-hmm. uh, and 
and I kind of kicked on from there, really. And did you, what did film school in America do for you? Did you make a film? Did you make a promo? Or was it, again, just kind of, did you do lots of different roles? Or were you like, mm. I'm a director, motherfuckers. Let me direct this. Um, <coughs> I, I, I did a little bit of everything. Okay. So I sort of really loaded up on the skills courses. Mm-hmm. I was doing, uh, you know, not just camera, but um, animation, mm-hmm. sound design, editing. When we met, you were very much a, that new wave director that was coming up, which was could edit, was editing in their head, was editing on set and things, could do a lot of stuff with animation and cutting things out. So that was... Yeah. You were kind of part of that group of younger directors that was doing a lot more real time. Yeah. Um, well, and is that something that you'd practice that in America, or do you just always enjoyed editing and animation? I'd always, I, I, I always liked editing. I still do. I think that is, that is, uh, as I moved up, as I moved forward, that was the what, that was the thing that. Uh, I think broadly speaking, directors can either gravitate towards sort of camera or the edit. Um, mm. I mean, you know, you need to be across both, but but uh, I shoot for the edit mm-hmm. rather than the other way around. Mm-hmm. And the, the, it's just whatever angle you're looking at the same outcome. But uh, it it was also when we met, it was an interesting time because. I think two things happened. There was a financial crash. So people, uh, companies that were making content, there was this other new weird thing that no one really knew what it was. Yeah. It was, it was just Still di- digital yeah. content. And, and the idea that you, know, you wouldn't have to buy space to um, advertise things mm-hmm. or, or to show the, 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 the content, the films that, that they were making... That happened, and because there was this financial crash, instead of spending two hundred grand on something, they'll spend twenty or fifteen uh, or even two, for instance. So, so to sort of graduate and be able to actually get any money at all to mm. start things off was amazing, and pair that with DSLR cameras, yep. you know, the uh, the, um, the five D mm. and everything coming out, which I remember shooting on Z1. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I've still got it. I've yeah, got yeah, I've still got mine as well. Oh, that yeah. kind of um, that was that was the I think the gateway for a lot of people. Those couple because it's sort of gone now. It's it's as everyone kind of predicted. Mm. It would go back to um, you know, it's all about lensing it properly and all that sort of stuff. Mm. But but there was that period of, of being really. It really blew it wide open, mm. um, and that's when we started doing the yeah. bits and pieces of music videos and and all that stuff, which is kind of you, you couldn't do that before because those... you had to have film, you had to have a process, you had to have money behind you. Yeah, instead of a a cameraman that had his own camera person, camera woman, um, a DOP with their own camera, a director that would edit. Yeah, you know, it's like a a crew of 15, Mm. 30, kind of could actually be done. Yes, you had your electricians and yes, you had your grips and stuff, but actually the post-production process and some of the the shooting processes just kind of 
structure just dropped down and streamlined and yeah it was it was a it was a learning curve mm. especially for me because I was stepping up yeah oh I didn't I didn't know I was doing either <laughs> maybe we just both didn't know so we both convinced everyone that we did blissful <laughs> ignorance of just this is good right this is this is fine this, this, is, this, this is all yeah. shooting on me yeah no it all um, as long as, you know the results were nice those were, teams man they yeah yeah nice so they come yeah doesn't matter how you get there in the end. Yeah, as long as it looks good at the mm. end. I do remember you always used to say that I didn't used to shoot very much. <laughs> we always no, used to end the day and you yeah. go, you really don't shoot very much. <laughs> so I used to think, oh, oh God, God. I should have oh, shoot. Well, I'm just used to, I guess because, you know, you just summed it up there, you're like, you would shoot for the edit because mm. you had that editing background. Well, not background, but you had a, a nuance and, and a knowledge and you would edit these things. Yeah. You know, you wouldn't be a director that's just like, well, let's just shoot a wide, a mid and a close-up and an extreme close-up and I want to do 50 takes on all of them. Yeah. And then I'll let the editor decide because you're like, I've got to, <laughs> I've got to sit through yeah. that process. I don't get two days with it, you know. Totally. It's that whole um, looking, look after your future self. I can't remember where I, I heard that, but that stuck with me. That kind yeah, of, um, you know, if you're going to have a uh, a heated discussion or whatever it is, with or, or sometimes it can be awkward. It's a load of creative people all all mm. trying to make the best thing possible. But if you have to sort of tell someone like it is in order to protect yourself, because you're the one with the finger in the dam at the end of the day, yeah. um, it's very easy for everyone else to sort of scoot off and pretend that they weren't instrumental in where we ended up. So mm. um, uh, I think that's another another thing. Don't shoot something. You probably don't want to use because uh, it might get used. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, just don't shoot it. Just don't film it. <laughs> <laughs> just don't. Do it. Tip one: yeah. Don't shoot anything you don't want to see in your edit. Yeah. Because it can, it, 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 you know, be a conversation, and then I guess the powers that be, the, the political structure that can be whatever form you're working in, if it, if you haven't got it, can't use it. Exactly. Nice. Yeah. That's it, and that's the end of the podcast, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but yeah, equally, maybe let's. Um, Let's not tell budding young filmmakers oh, yeah. to deliberately undershoot. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that is not good either. I guess, for, you know, kind of growing up, if they don't have an idea of too much of editing, it's like shoot as much as you can. Yeah. You know, yeah. yes, the Clint Eastwoods of this world just shoot exactly what they need. Yeah. But when you're learning, did you, you know, when you're, when you're starting off, were you mindful of, I guess we weren't shooting on film, so you could just rattle off loads of stuff if you wanted to. Yeah. Was there, was there ever, did you ever shoot on film? Was that something that, did your background in having worked in film, did that mould your thinking when you were shooting on digital? Uh, I think... Or had you been in the processes? Had you been in the environment of shooting on film and did that have some sort of imprint on you? Uh, no, because I, I, I think, yeah, you can just keep filming if you know if you're shooting digitally but you know better than anyone that running the day mm. it breaking it up into manageable chunks and takes and all that stuff that's not just about saving film that's that's it gets talked about a lot but actually structure uh, it helps actors and everyone mm. on set there's a uh, there was a very natural evolution to the way a set is run, which mm. is decades of, of tweaking and honing it mm. to, to, into the best conditions 
yeah. for creativity to thrive. Don't reinvent the wheel. Mm. Um, just because suddenly you can spray the camera around doesn't mean you should, you know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah, um, um, and then also depending on, again, looking after your future self, shoot as much as you can. But when you eventually, when you start scaling that up to features, mm. you can end up with a crippling amount of footage if you have to go and there's also not just that, but actually the cost involved of storing the stuff is yeah. getting equally as prohibitive now. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to do something for Netflix and they want 4K and they want the rushes, which they do, um, you've got to put them somewhere. So if you go off around the world shooting a doc with the idea that you, you just turn the camera on in the morning, just go out, 24 hours come of, back, yeah. you've got to put that somewhere and... Uh, your producer's going to be furious when you come back to London yeah. or wherever you're based and uh, and that's no, that's no good. That's not nice. So, you started off, you, you did a bit of art school in Scotland, you went to America, did six months there. Did you ever think, I'm going to stay in America and, you know, I've got LA, I've got Hollywood there and I've got the New York film scene and or were you always quite a UK-based director in mind what was your what was your thought processes about coming back uh, my visa <laughs> was uh, tick, that's it boom Mr Visa uh, <laughs> yeah. said chip off home yeah so I did that okay um, did you get a degree or something from America did you get uh, like a I had a did you get a, a girlfriend that I was very sad to leave oh. that was uh, probably my overriding memory of leaving there but no no because it was always that it was an exchange scholarship that Fine. that I was always going to go back. Just a module that you just ticked yeah. off, and yeah. so I had another year left okay. to go to do in Glasgow when I got back. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was just looking back on it, it, it seems like a much bigger part of my education, mm-hmm. I suppose, because I learned so much in such a short amount of yeah. time, and then came back and kind of deployed all of that with the freedom that an art school in this country gives people uh, you know, like videos for friends and I had a lot of musician friends and mm-hmm. I was a kind of very happy amateur musician mm-hmm. um, so same um, yeah. there was that was a, uh, a a big part of it was making stuff for nothing and then someone, I remember when someone gave me 500 quid to what? make and I thought Stop we it. can go to town. <laughs> oh yeah, hello. <laughs> um, and then, Where yeah, Spoons Thursday curry night. Well, hello. <laughs> and yeah, I get and it. Um, you just try and scale it up, mm. I suppose, and then to a point where you try and make a living, which I'm still. Well, I'm still. Yeah, <laughs> crunching through that one. <laughs> still getting there. Yeah. So, that last year of film uh, of art school. Was there something in your in your mind that you kind of went, once this year's done, I'm in the big bad world. Mm. Like what what does that thought process do for you? Or what did it do to you? Um I think I was very conscious of that. I think maybe more so than um I was a bit sort of neurotic about the whole thing, really. And I, I advice I'd give myself actually if I could go back was just to chill out a bit more okay. that it doesn't have to happen 
quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I knew I wanted to come down to London. I knew that because sort of... Were you born and raised London? Oxford. Okay. So um, both my parents worked in London. Friends was that I've always... London was, London was always the place I knew I was going to end up. Okay. So I kind of came down. And you didn't think about coming to uni in London? No. I think because I always knew I'd end up here. Okay. And I've got Scottish family and that was kind of important to me to spend a bit of time up there again. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I went and, you know, did a really great school, great scene at, um, yeah. at that point. It still it's is great now. City. Yeah. Great city. So, uh, and to kind of have that freedom of, it's also not anywhere near as expensive to mm-hmm. just kind of uh, work on yourself a bit rather than where you're going to live and how you're going to, you know, the hustle isn't mm-hmm. isn't on your back in the same way. So... That definitely comes with being down here, and uh, it kind of forces the issue that uh, short films or experiments and things. You, you, I guess you can afford to fail if you put yourself in a position uh, like I was in 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 Glasgow, where uh, when I wasn't manning the salad bar of Buchanan Street Sainsbury's, oh, um, I was spending all that money on films because because yeah. I could do. So, making um, films yeah mm-hmm. shit ones and Tight. experiments and things that uh, working myself out uh, which kind of I suppose actually I, I sort of hit the ground running when we met with the particular video that for the horrors for instance which mm-hmm. was uh, a big a bit of a game changer it doesn't no, take very many things hmm? did we have the swinging light bulb in there yeah the oh definitely there was de- de- definitely that year a couple of years it was Swinging light bulbs and <laughs> Vaseline. Yeah, and Vaseline on the pints in front of lenses. Yeah, and crystals, Crystal you know, that bulbs. you... Uh, yeah, yeah. And any... Try, try and do what, I don't know, what um, MPC or, or the mill do <laughs> with a 10-quid. With a 100,000. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, oh, yeah, I had, a, I had a bag of all that. All Tricks. The, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, but that was great. That was because uh, you get that's also how you, it's the, I think it's the kind of things that DPs want to do as well, right? Mm. Just get to play with, yeah. yeah. So that's I look back on that time, and there was a lot of a lot of that. The wonderful Sam Kennedy, who's now in Australia, absolutely, yeah, kind of running the ship, producing it all, yeah, getting us all in for peanuts and podcasting now. Is he? It is, yeah. I'll have to hit him hard. Yeah, oh yeah, he has a uh, food podcast. Brilliant. Yeah. He looks ripped. He looks good. He does. God damn. He it. looks after himself. Yeah. Uh, oh, there's oh. no there's no Burger King around the corner <laughs> yeah. for lunch. Yeah. Used to try and sit one away from him in meetings so he didn't feel so bad. Yeah. Sensible. Yeah. That that I I would also say, having people like him and people like you and DPs like um, at the time Alex Reed and mm-hmm. Jim Jolliffe and. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't do it by yourself, yeah. and it's a real mistake to attempt to do that. Mm. So uh, there will always be people that are up for stepping in to those roles, mm. and actually a lot of that was. Um, uh, I know we're sort. Of, I guess we'll get to the whole early steps in London thing, but but the common factor between all of those people was working for a production company 
a commercials production com- mm. company in London that kind of connects everyone together. So I think without your network of people, uh, which you get just by getting stuck in and not mm. really even thinking too hard about who those who you're working for, and I mean, obviously <laughs> within <laughs> within reason, yeah. but but you meet people, and when the time is right, you meet the right kind of people, and there's that catalyst mm. that you go off and and make things. Well, let's 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 get into it. So you've finished you finished uni in Scotland. Yeah. You've you've obviously got a first. I'm not even going to question. I'm not even going to ask you. You've got a, like whatever high, whatever's higher than a first. <laughs> you got two firsts. <laughs> What's the process after that? Where have you? What do you do? Do you stay? In, do you? Are you like boom? Next day on the train down to London. Yeah, literally. Print oh. with with some. Any contacts? With, anywhere to go? Or just uh, a relic. Paved with gold, and let's go do. Let's go make some stuff. I had a, a relative that I could stay with, mm-hmm. and and I had a bit of money saved up from my yeah that five hundred quid my day job yeah yeah and um, in Scotland and uh, lived with my buddy in Camden mm-hmm. and we we kind of had a lot of fun for a bit and then started printing out CVs and just mailed them by hand, I think, just back in the day, um, around Wardour Street and, mm. and all that sort of stuff. And What were you applying for? Running. Okay. Internships, work, work experience, in-house runner. In-house runner, yep. yeah. Um, just to try and get some consistency, just an in, mm. just to in, because uh, qualifications at that stage don't really count for anything it's Mm. almost like you're building up all that stuff is on hold for a little bit because you've got to get your hustle on and and enjoy that part of it as well I think because you meet so many great people and and like-minded people and it's just a really if you if if you let it it's a really really fun time Mm. Um, I did I worked at uh, Radical Media briefly Mm -hmm. um, Between the Eyes which, uh, well, they, um, Ben Pugh and Rory Aiken are okay. now 42 managed, massive, massive, yeah. but, um, and it, running on music videos and bits and pieces. And then uh, the real uh, kind of traction, I suppose, was, was working at Rogue Films, which is mm-hmm. where we met. Yeah. Uh, and I met all sorts of people, actually. I've just there. A podcast did see on. So we just, yeah. Yeah. So just had a chat with her. Um, he's just taken over the producing game, just smashing it. Yeah, doing amazing. Well, it was that was always slightly destined, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> um, and um, yeah, and, and so uh, how did you get in? What was the in there then? Just turned up one day with a CV, and they just went, "Oh, actually, I'd come in." I'd done a, I'd done a video installation. I mean, I'll tell the story. Cause I think, guess because it sort of it demonstrates how roundabout it actually is. Yeah. Um, I did a, I did an, a, an art installation in Glasgow using uh, revolving drums and bin bags and and wow. vi- and to make noises or just visually to to uh, out of sort of rubbish and bits and pieces. I made these kinds of it was like a flyover. I had this big revolving drum that revolved towards the camera, mm-hmm. and 
at the degree show that we had there, someone picked it up uh, and thought it might be good for someone like a Greenpeace or so it was just so I went in for kind of general meetings with ad agencies mm-hmm. uh, and Jan Elliott who I think was at WCRS at the time okay. just did me an absolute solid gold favour and just put me in touch with the guys at Rogue who he knew at the time were looking for okay. someone yeah and that was that in. threw in the door and those guys were great and the, you got so you got loads of contact with the directors in that company. Um, I don't. I have no idea really what a lot of the other ones are like because mm-hmm. it's not. You know. Um, I guess they'd all do things their their different way, but in house, from my understanding, if you want to get into production or directing, that in house step can be really useful because I don't know if you did it, but some runners in-house runners say you know they kind of make treatments they they talk with the director they sit in on edits they kind of do all of those things that directors do and get to learn from them i think so i think that's exactly it because you see the you see that the shoot element of it is obviously the it's what everything is building up to but it's one of the stages in in a lot of different uh jobs Mm. those that stage is obviously always completely different, but the consistency is in the pitching process, mm-hmm. putting the teams together. So when you say putting the teams together, what does that mean? Putting the uh, crewing and yep. and but 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 also a lot of that can involve even from the sort of treatment phase of mm-hmm. of you know how are we going to get all this together because uh, once it's down on paper, if someone buys into your idea you better know what you're up to so um you you see a lot of those you know big uh job changing decisions happening on the fly by people who really know what they're talking about Mm. so i think that kind of gives you the certainly a uh a roadmap that you can tailor to the way that you want to make things in the future but that is that that was the the real kind of PhD for one of a better phrase, you know, in how to do it, I suppose, yeah. is just watching watching it happen for real. And Rogue are a advert a commercials production company. So was were commercials something that you hadn't really thought about making and you got into a into a big company like that and gone, I wanna make ads? Or had you always kind of thought in the back of your head, features, documentaries, writing scripts, that's always still my passion. I I think I think I had a a really clear short-term goal, which was, at the time, music videos mm-hmm. and short films for the sake of short films, you know, festivals and bits and pieces, and no real clear idea of how I might progress that to features. Mm-hmm. And in the middle was just this sort of soupy thing that, that I didn't really understand i mean it's, i don't think anyone really does when you you, you start so definitely like a pinball machine you're at the bottom you're like i know i've got to get to that hole there but you just let go and then it's like ding 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 ding. exactly and then yeah and the machine is changing all the time <laughs> with, with the, the industry changing so quickly mm. and everything but it was it was definitely a complete unknown mm-hmm. of how how i might i guess everyone gets in in one way or another to begin with 
because they love films and television mm. and then you get it and you you see there's all these other options and all these other really interesting ways of working in the industry that suit all sorts of different kinds of people so that was a bit of a light bulb moment actually that it's not a linear progression i think it probably used to be people used to talk about make music videos make commercials and then you'll make your first feature mm. it's just not true anymore it, it, you can come at it any which way and even the commercials and music videos that's changed so much that yeah. i think sometimes there is hard to get is anything mm. so you're as likely to make your first feature yourself with a bunch of people in a van as you are making a music video that is actually a commissioned music video it's mm. it's they're all it's never been as it's never been easier to make stuff with the technology but i think it's never been harder to bust through uh, for yes. that reason i yeah. think is there just a wealth of people now to be able to to do it or is what's the industry is changing. Yeah. It's clear. It's obvious. Content, from a commercial's point of view, content is slowly becoming king, if it isn't already. Yeah. Feature films, have they changed much? Will they change much? Or is the process of finding a great script, getting some great actors, finding your money, getting it onto screen, is that just as easy slash hard as it ever was? Films have got harder, for sure. TV has actually got, and I mean sort of really big, great TV, yeah. has actually got easier because arguably that's the top of the mountain now. You think of these yeah. great producers and directors. Mm. Uh, so you, specifically you kind of like the Netflix and Apple TV and Sky and be like all these streaming services that want original content. Yeah, I mm. think... From a, from oh, apologies, you know, there's other ones that do exist. Yeah. If I did, you know, the Hulus and whatever, you know, yeah. there's stuff out there. Mm. But I think that the, I suppose it's, there's two ways to look at it, but, but on the, from the creative side, mm -hmm. if you have eight hours instead of one and a half to tell your story, that's where, that's where the real, um, the best storytellers want to be. Mm. So that's why, yeah, Aaron Sorkin's writing TV because he gets a much bigger canvas. Mm. Um, so, for the, and, and that's why Martin Scorsese our gets to make... Our cliffhanger, uh, our it, cliffhanger. Yeah, it's that kind of... Um, and even then, that even that sort of structure is... You can have your slow burn Irishman mm. sort of thing and you never do that... I really enjoyed two it. Two years ago. Can you yeah. imagine that? You, I mean, no, you didn't, wouldn't have... We were so, we were so kind of Avengers heavy. Well, not that I'm disrespecting the thing, but, you know, that kind of bells and whistles, mm. as I call it, cinema. Um, and actually, The Irishman, it was just, it kind of, it just, it was like a plateau. It's just, it was just a whole three hours of plateau. There was, you know, this is it. This mm. was, this was a reality. Mm. It's like, you're watching the acting Instead of, oh, there's a big fight scene, oh, look at that car flip, and oh, look at that, you know. It just, it was three hours of kind of watching, of kind of watching basically a documentary. Yeah. You know. 
which leads me on to where you're where are you at now with your you've kind of you've been at rogue you've learned from some of the directors there in advertising did you ever come to a point you go i want to make tv or i want to get into documentary what was your what was your path from where you were then to where you are now how have you kind of come to that and where are you now Mm. well as i say i think when the financial crash happened Mm. 2008 yeah yeah and uh, that that was still that still I think as it opened up this idea of content stuff as well that that was that usually by that point I I was really sort of immersed in the whole ad world Mm -hmm. there was usually content to be had next door to the TVC Mm -hmm. the TV commercial so Again, it was just it was it was a really fantastic. It was timing. There's a lot of luck involved, and people kind of yeah. sometimes say that isn't, but then it's all luck. It is. It's right, right place, right time. Yeah. But you put yourself um, in that situation to get the luck. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so sort of, I was really lucky that for that couple of years, where which is probably the scariest, where you, you can't be, you can't do your job properly as a full-time in-house runner and make stuff you would just I mean you just can't yeah Yeah. so uh, I was I was lucky that I was able to go freelance and for one particular year kind of just be able to uh, things came in and I was able to make those and then come back and work at Rogue or wherever I was in going into agencies because agencies were starting to do their own mm-hmm. thing as well. Yeah. It's like a whole another conversation. But yeah. that that was interesting because as it was all finding its feet, I was freelance and nimble enough to, to plug into wherever I needed to plug in, mm. make a living, making work. And then a couple of those things sort of, fired and caught people's attention and i i started to make short docs really was how long is a short doc anywhere from 90 to three minutes sort of thing for things like 90 seconds to three minutes yeah okay yeah three minutes to 90 minutes yeah (laughs) that's a decent doc um yeah the uh that, that it kind what of, can you tell? Wow, what kind, I guess it's kind of like a music video of thoughts, sorts. But what kind of story can you tell in in ninety seconds? Is it is it a smit smattering of something that then can then build into a into a bigger project, or hmm. is it a full on beginning, middle, and end? I think that's a really hard question hmm. to answer succinctly. Okay, but uh, it's. You do need to... Uh, uh, like there's no wastage. There. No, no, no. You cannot. No. Even, you're probably talking frames. Yeah, which which is sort of, again, going that's sort of back to your, this sense of making sure that you shoot what you need. Mm. It's sort of also, um, even just coming in here today, I was sort of reflecting on on kind of what, if, if I could draw a line from what I was doing early doors to now, and it is maybe just... It's it's just having a having a view 
having an opinion and, and a, a viewpoint on whatever it is you're shooting or whatever the story is. And that naturally provides the parameters that you arrive late, get out early, as they say, in on a story that is compelling to you. And I think if you maximise the, the, the impact and, and shine a light on the things that you find emotionally engaging other people will too i think it's just sort of backing yourself mm. and and also when you're when you're starting out and and you're not getting that many opportunities to work it's only natural that you you start trying to write treatments that you think will land with the the gatekeepers the people that mm-hmm. will will are going to finance what it is you're doing but then is that are you just kind of repeating what's already out there because it's exactly and i did did do that for a, a bit mm. and made some of my worst. That was literally... And, and it happened quite quickly and I realised yeah. and I... It, I mean, it was embarrassing, really, to, to, to try and... I think... Did it pay well? Was there, was there the flip side of it that actually you were making some money out of it? Yes. It, but it was more the volume, actually, at that time... It was more, like I say, that the, the opportunities were there to make things that weren't particularly well-funded, mm. but that meant, I mean, my producer and I, we, we, I think we made one video a fortnight for, I mean, quite a you're, while. You were kind of rattling them out. And it worked to begin with, mm. but then it was hard to keep on it was hard to keep things on track, I suppose. And it would, it does, as you know, it doesn't take much for something to go a little bit wrong or the weather mm. to be slightly off and suddenly... You shoot those out. Yeah. And, and so I think, yeah, I did it because I needed to pay my rent. Mm. But I, I also probably kind of stunted my... The, the trajectory that I was on a little bit mm. by just not looking after the... It, it, it's such a... I mean, it's I'm, st- I'm still doing that now on a different scale, yeah. I suppose. And I'm still trying to work it out and still trying to make good work and, and also, you know, make money, which is the uh, at the at the very guts, I guess, of, mm. of what everyone's trying to do in this industry. So, so where are you at now? What are you doing? What's, what's, what's been the last project? So I did, I uh, I worked with a company called My Accomplice on my first feature. Wow. Which started a good, good few years ago now. That mm-hmm. was a bit of a slow burner on mm-hmm. um, uh, Bill Wyman from the Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. And he has a ginormous archive of, of um, unseen photos and Super 8 films and... And what, and, you, what were you making? Something for his family or is it for... No, that was... Uh, we pitched the idea to uh, Sundance Selects mm-hmm. at Berlin, um, who are they're part of IFC in the US. What's uh, IFC, sorry? Uh, IFC is a US film distributor. Okay. Um, so that was my first kind of, you know, full-fat um, theatrical documentary mm-hmm. and 
that that took about four years on and off wow. um, for all sorts of reasons. Bill got sick in the middle of it and mm. all that stuff. But filming him or just interviews or following him around or just going through all of the archives and creating something. Or what what did your prep for that look like? Were you given a brief and then you've gone right? Well, I've taken your brief. I think I could maybe even do this with it. Yeah, I think so. Loosely, the brief was go and look at the archive, go and meet the guy, and. Uh, and and pitch your vision for turning this into a movie about his experiences mm. growing up and and being a Rolling Stone for thirty years. So it was an amazing uh, thing to to be asked to do. I never got the producers drunk enough to find out how far down the list <laughs> I was. Um, uh, but yeah, that that was that. I guess that kind of was an opportunity to pour all of that learning from all these different mm. uh, jobs that I'd done and different experiences to to put that all together into a first feature. And we went to... Is it out? Oh. Yeah, yeah, we went to Tribeca last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, What's it called? It's called The Quiet One. And can we find, where can we find it? So uh, it's in the US yep. currently. Mm-hmm. And then this year uh, we're going territory by territory yep. kind of going and uh, I'm, I'm off to Greece in two weeks to okay. release it in Greece and Turkey and everything yep. and uh, hot places during the winter and then yeah exactly <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah the, you know the US was obviously a massive market and mm. that was so we've we've um, that's all that was all done that was a lot of fun going, mm-hmm. going over there uh, and it's just mad how it, it, it you know pops up in uh I think it's been on TV in Russia, and wow. it's, it's been on uh, Sky in New and Zealand. What, is, what does it come up? Is it like directed by, or are you? Is it like where do you fit into all of this? Into the into the into that documentary theatrical world? Are you mm. a, a small element in it? Written and directed by. Stop it. So. Mr. Murray, I'm a... so sorry I called you by your first name. <laughs> I didn't realise we had royalty up in the place. Yeah. That... And there's that now, does that, did the documentary then suddenly spark something in you that you're like, ah, oh, okay, I'm a documentary filmmaker. I don't particularly, I'll make an advert, but it's not where my heart would lie if I needed to do it for a year. Mm. Um. I think, yeah, yeah. The honest answer is we're in such an amazing mm. golden age of documentaries mm. and opportunities to make long-form stuff for TV broadcasters that that's definitely my focus at the, at the moment. Mm. Um, the way I also look at it, though, is you have the aim of non-fiction is to make it as dramatic as possible. Mm. That's what audiences want. But then in drama, you need to make it as realistic as possible. Mm. So, so it's uh, like the making of a murderer, that kind of style documentary where you kind of... It's, it's kind of, at the end of the day, the, the, uh, it's, you actually meet in the middle a lot more than, than I think mm. people might first suggest because mm. the, the, the crossovers, the, the, the sort of skills that you learn in that world uh i'm sort of again sort of saving up and and i am looking at, at dramas and and things oh. like that and uh i've been out the 
advertising game for best part of three years now because of the you know docs take a, right. a long long time did you meet Mick did you meet, did you meet the band how many so yeah I mean my favourite is Charlie Watts I'm still sort of slowly getting over him um, that was unreal and I remember like one of the videos where they're just in this giant tent and like, they've got like two cameras in this tent and they just start pumping in they're just pumping in foam into, oh, yeah, the, yeah, into yeah. the video and you just see him <laughs> he's at the back and then all of a sudden someone's just like you got to pull him out. So it's just like, it just, they just cut to a close-up of Mick or whatever. All of a sudden they go back to the wines and there is no drama. Yeah. Yeah, it's only rock and roll. It's That's only rock and roll, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, that was a wild one. And then, it, yeah, you, it opens up new Once opportunities. You do that, that must and, open up a world of, and I guess his music, you said earlier, you were like, you were budding muso. Yeah music documentaries for someone that loved music and loved making documentaries that feels like you've kind of you've lucked out there dude it's just like yeah living living your dream yeah I mean yeah so simple best job in the world yeah. when, when it works out like that I mean mm. uh, and the, yeah people I've met that I never you know I had that poster on my wall kind of thing it's that old sort of cliched thing of actually then they're in front of you and yeah um, Mick Jagger always told me never some dr- not dr- you know name drop type of joke it's like oh no I've actually been to his house I've been to their you know did you get to go all over the shop did you go did you go globally round with them no 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 so Were they do on a tour or anything so well because it was it was so archive heavy because the oh. job was to sort of effectively uh, the 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 core of the idea was to go back in time using this archive and, and Bill has 40,000 photos that he took on tour and off tour as well and wow. um, hours of Super 8 films. Not even Super 8, he, like, just 8 mil from mm. the early 60s when they were kids, you know, doing their thing. So wow. it was really kind of being able to go back and tell that almost like a present tense mm. story of going up through the years with them. Uh, and then he leaves in... 92 so uh, that's when the stones element kind of tails off and right. we we, um, we move away from that but it was yeah that, as you say that was that was kind of all, all, all those things actually that it's only really when you come and have conversations like this that it sort of makes sense I suppose it all adds up a bit doesn't it yeah. to um, well, it, it kind of it feels like from an outsider's point, listening in, because yes, we've had chats on set and stuff, but actually, you don't really get to do this much chatting. It's like all of the pieces just kept on stacking up and thing, and you know, yeah, a little bit more knowledge here, a little bit more thing here, but it, it, it very much all tends to kind of do that. Yeah, you know, if you have, you may not even have an, an end goal in sight. You know, these film students that you know. I bet if I went into the majority of film schools now and I said to them, you know, out of the 50 people that are here, hands up, who wants to be a film director? They'll probably be like 98% will be yeah. want to be film directors. As it was the case for me, I kind of went and wanted to be a film director. Mm. And then the reality of things and actually my personality tended to then lead to other things. It's like... When did you know that... that- when did you sort of decide on the first thing route quite quickly? It took me 
as soon as I got onto a proper, you know, inverted comma, proper film set, yeah, and I saw what I first did, I was like, oh, there <laughs> it is. I thought, you know, I thought I wanted to be a producer. I thought I wanted to be a director. I thought I wanted to be a thing. I did, you know, try my hand at production. Um, but my it just seems to be that my personality just tends to lead itself to AD. Yeah. And having, you know, seeing it done properly, yeah. you kind of go, oh, that's how it's done. And I think if I hadn't been on film sets with great ADs, I might have been like, oh, well, that job doesn't look fun at all. You're Absolutely, not doing anything yeah. right. Yeah. And with, you, with that in mind, it's like, did you, did you know of any documentary directors? Did you, did you go and work with any of them? Or is there always, is there always an element of you're documenting something, even if it is a commercial or a film, you're documenting a moment. So you, you've got a bit of that already there. Mm. Or did you have, a, was there someone you go, there's that, I want to be that documentary filmmaker? No, not really. Because I think the most important thing when you're making a documentary is to have a point of view. On the subject? Yeah. The, mm-hmm. it's, and it's got to be yours. Because... Mm you've got to put parameters on it because it's all obviously it's all real life and, and, and you can focus in on so many disparate things that uh, that's I think the real acid test of the whole the whole job really because because it's not a, a the job of turning 90 pages in, into some, you know into in, into shots that can be cut together to make a movie you're it's far more liquid than that, and you're you're kind of writing it over and over again as you go, and mm. and it's constantly about hitting forks in the road every day. Uh, um, when you find new bits of information, you do an amazing interview that you thought was not going to be that great, or suddenly I know someone gets really emotional about something that you never thought would happen, and it changes. You walk away from that thinking, well. I've been going in one direction for a year and I I know in my bones now that we, we've got to go another way with it, which wow. um, which forces you to make these big decisions, which mm. doesn't happen in in um, dramas no, by that point. Yeah, yeah, for better or worse. Yeah. So, uh, and what, yeah, it's one of the, on the plus side of that, that flexibility, especially when it's your first, outing in the sort of features game mm. is really fantastic because you, you can kind of you can kind of mess up a couple of times mm. and and get back from it because of because you can uh, reverse and go forwards in another direction slightly yeah. um, and just sort of style it out in front of the producers if they ever come to the edit <laughs> we didn't mean it it's yeah. fun yeah oh, we, you know, here's what we need yeah ah. exactly so it's a Fantastic for I never really thought that that's, that would be where I am, but I think that's definitely a really fantastic space to be mm. to be in at the moment because there's some great, great stuff, there's amazing stuff coming from all over the place. Well, talking of great stuff, what's the what's the last, the, the latest thing that you've done? Anything that we should keep our eye out for? I just finished my second feature doc, mm-hmm. which is a film. It's called Ronnie's. And it's about the life of Ronnie Scott and his jazz club. Yeah. And that will be premiering in early June and then in cinemas. Check it out. June, July, August. 
amazing television at the end of the year but we did so much work on finding these gems and making them sound fantastic so the the cinema is the place to see it i worked with some uh, amazing amazing guys in post to really i mean it, it sounds fantastic and what's the what's the premise then if you can or what's the blurb or how did you one how did you get into it yeah and two how did you um what 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 is it what should we expect um so i i'd i'd actually when i finished the quiet one mm-hmm. and we went to tribeca to that's where the world premiere is out in new york uh, a producer called eric willard white came and asked me if he could see the movie and and we'd we'd done a few kind of as you do like screenings of bits and pieces and he he just asked if i was interested which was it's the best job i've ever got and it's it was sort of the easiest to get if you know mm. what i mean because it was all based on the, the the previous output so we had a bit of a ticking clock because it's just turned 60 years old so um, yeah wow. so, so we needed to be shooting during that year mm-hmm. uh, it just gave us nice to get that as i say again parameters of mm. um, how do you contain such a ginormous legacy and that was one of the ways to do it you know celebrate those 60 years but it's about to it's, it's a very universal story really it's about a working class east end kid and his best friend playing music finding out that the kind of music that they can't that they, they can't play it in london because there isn't the space to play it mm. they get out to new york uh, playing on the Queen Mary. It's the okay. way they used to get out there. They play, that's sort of how they bought passage over there. Saw these amazing New York jazz clubs in the mid 50s. Came back and just and thought, let's just let's do our own thing. Literally in a, a room, you know, what size of this? For, it's not very good podcasting, is it? Just, <laughs> it's the size of this room, everybody. But uh, yeah, tiny little basement room. Yeah. And uh, Yes, yeah, it's just the story of how that grows despite the financial problems, the mm. gangsters and all the all that sort of murky world of jazz mm. that they have to operate in. But we got some amazing performances. We got Oscar Peterson, Mars Davis, Van Morrison, Chet Baker, Sonny Rollins, uh, Nina Simone, wow. Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix died uh, the night after he performed in Ronnie's, and really? we found the tape. So um, had never been never been seen. Bits of it, bits of it have insane. surfaced. But uh, so, if you're a fan of good music, yeah, this is the dot for you. Then that was the real realization for me that jazz is such a broad church, mm. and as you, it, it's some of the finest. Some of the finest musicians of the twentieth oh. century in, in have came through that place, mm. uh, and there's something. It's like if you're a decent band, or you're a decent musician, it's got to be one of your tick. Absolutely, you know? it's like Prince has played. You know, it's like all these huge, huge stars, and actually, when you're in there, it's you, a handful of people, 
it's not loads of yeah. bells and whistles and sparks and things mm. and you 250 know. Uh, people capacity that place that's amazing and, so intimate and time and time again musicians when they come through London will choose to play that. but mm. you think of yeah, you know, and they're playing the O2 or whatever the yeah, capacity yeah. of that place is um, and they they all if, if you've got playing chops you test it out in that place mm. for sure so um, no, that that was a real. And when's that coming out? That's coming out. So we, uh, it will start to emerge through um, Fab. I've got, <laughs> got to be careful. I don't yeah, yeah. give too much. But uh, June, 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 twenty twenty, it will start to roll out. It will start to come out in various forms. Cinema yeah. TV. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Looking forward to that. Have yeah. You got, have you got? So where's the premiere? Or have you had that? So we'll have a festival premiere. Festival premiere. Um, which I can't talk about. Okay, well, I won't ask any more questions. Uh, but we'll, no, we'll have a, we'll have a big okay. party in London. The film... Uh, will you show it at Ronnie Scott's? Will you get like a projector in and get it down there? We'll do something like that, but then I think, I think, I think we're going to have a you know, big kind of glitzy affair nice. down in... The film... I, it's fantastic that it's had this sort of ride um, mm. so far around with interest all over the world, but I think until it kind of comes home to London, um, it hasn't really, you know, started its thing. That's that's when I think yeah. it, it'll, as I say, sort of come home and uh, we can really sort of kick off and and, it, and I'll have done my, done my job when, yeah. when it's screened there. Congratulations, man. It's like Thanks. coming from where we were... 10 whatever years ago <laughs> to now being a writer director has it of, been 10 years it has uh, probably it? yeah easily yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, well, it, it just goes to show that with a bit of hard work luck yeah patience yeah obviously some skill but that's you know that's granted you're not going to make it if you don't have anything that actually you can find in it and also it's you know it feels like from this chat yeah it's like find that thing that drives you. Find your niche. Find your passion. Yeah, that's it. I th- I think I, I think one of the most important things when you're starting out as well is you're in a position that it might feel like no one's keeping tabs on you, and that you feel like it's an uphill struggle to get in get the opportunities to to make anything, or even just get on set. You know, mm. it can feel almost impossible but I'd say don't rush it because it's also it's the one time where because no one's looking at you you can find your feet in your own time Mm. and don't take too many opportunities that aren't you early doors because you can't take that back when you're when you're sort of your brand or whatever it is or your whatever you're you're about in whatever role you're doing kind of just make sure that you take your time in identifying it and then when you do it come correct and do it properly mm. because it's very hard to backtrack i think especially once it's out there it's out there yeah it's got your name attached to it yeah so yeah. i mean i guess if my dream had been scripted comedy I'm a million miles away from from that. Um, so, you similarly, whatever role it is that you want to do, take your time working it out. I, I wish I'd actually been a runner for a bit longer. When like looking back wow. on it, okay, 
In Although I, I was level. rubbish. <laughs> I was, I mean, you know, yeah, okay. I was the guy that sort of at the end of the day when it's like, I'll go and get the bin bag. I'd snag the bin bag and actually just leave a trail of all the crap across right, the I'll just thing. follow the shit yeah, out of the door. Exactly. Just yeah. all the food, all, just follow the trail of food waste that but he's accidentally yeah, thrown around. That's interesting you say that because you know, some people are like, I've got to be a good runner. And I've, I've, I'll do this whole email, this mail out service and actually tomorrow's that's coming out is how to be a good runner. And one yeah. of my things is like, not every great crew member was a good runner. Yeah, you know, it just doesn't. Just because you can't, just because that isn't your thing, yeah, doesn't mean that you can't do any of the other jobs. Yeah, exactly. But no, exactly. Well, <laughs> well, look, we've we've kind of we've we're hitting that. We're past the hour. Holy moly! Really? Um, well, I guess any people or projects or anything. I know we've spoken about the. The Ronnie's Dock. Um, is there anything else that you want to talk about? Anything else you want to big up? Not really, apart from I think what you're doing with this is pretty fantastic. Congratulations. Thank Thanks. you. If I wish there was uh, more of this when I was knocking about because uh, I could have done with Just people it. talking about this yeah. sort of stuff. I do think the old advice is often, it's true, even mm. and it can be pretty pretty frustrating but um it the yes the game is moving really fast and and technology is changing and outlets for all this stuff is changing but i think when you're starting out it's still the industry is actually you know it's pretty old school in the way that clever people worked out the best ways to make films so don't try and reinvent the wheel um, and keep your ears open and your mouth shut when you're on set and uh, you'll be all right. Boom. Boom. I'm not even going to try and give <laughs> anything other than that. So just thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Um, I hope you all get loads of useful stuff out of that because that was a fantastic hour. Um, go to the time scheduler, share it, subscribe, send it to friends. Um, and... Until we meet again, ladies and gents, that is a wrap. So that was a chat with the king or queen in the game. I give it a shout at the end so you all know the name. It's the Film Gods Podcast. The what? The Film God Podcast. This episode is sponsored by RSVP. RSVP brings together two established video playback companies into one powerhouse with over 50 years of onset knowledge. The experienced and growing team are all skilled in the latest recording software with up-to-date HD video recording equipment, HD monitors and HD wireless packages. RSVP understand that the requirements for every shoot are different. So for a tailor quote, get in touch at info at rsvp.london